0: You're listening
1: to Henley Business Radio.
0: Welcome to Henley Business Radio. My name is John Foster Pedley. And at Henley Business Radio, we look at provocative, informative, entertaining and educational topics. And we study them and talk about them in a way to make them come to life. And follow us on hashtag What's Trending. Today in the studio, I'm very happy to welcome Raul dunell. Nell. Raul du wears a number of hats. He's the head of Blank Canvas International, which is a consultancy. He's also the founder and chair of the African Sustainable Development Association and runs the African Sustainability Summit. And I'm happy to say that Henley is a co-founder of that association. And welcome, Raldu.
1: Thank you very much, John. And uh, it's great to be on on your show. We're talking about an interesting thing today
0: around sustainability. But before we get into that, who's Raldu?
1: Raldu is um, an African and very proudly uh, African. We believe that Africa is, is the continent of choice, or so I certainly do. I know that I've got a very uh, competent team and certainly also uh, industry leaders that have got a very similar vision. And we have a burning passion for Africa, the continent, to make sure that we are uh, globally competitive, globally active, and certainly that we are making a contribution in our time uh, as part of being Africans here.
0: Sounds great, but I see you cunningly slip from who is Raul to who is Raldo's business and his team. So where did you come from? What's your background?
1: Sure. I've grown up in Pretoria, mm-hmm. and yeah, certainly my, my background is uh, financial services. I've moved into, into project management and certainly moving into service delivery. So uh, I think I've always been, say, focused on offering solutions mm-hmm. to either clients or people. So what makes me tick uh, is to help people and to certainly contribute in a meaningful way. That, but, that, that's but, really in my. But the DNA.
0: sustainability thing's bigger than that, isn't it, or different from that? There must be something in you, some sort of passion, something that triggered you. To commit yourself to the sustainability work, what happened there?
1: Sure, I, I think it's uh, my interest in nature conservation. Mm-hmm. So I find a lot of uh, inspiration from spending time in nature. So you're a bush baby when you're growing
0: up, were you? Absolutely. Yeah. So
1: I was very fortunate to grow up uh, right next to the Macalister Mountain. Uh, mm-hmm. So learning a lot from nature and and from animals in nature, uh, and that really just inspires me. You know, I, I can see the bigger picture when I'm uh, in nature, and, and specifically. I don't think there are many places like Africa where you can have uh, very vast uh, mm. and unique experiences in nature. So that's really focuses, uh, focused me initially around the environmental aspect of sustainability. Uh, but certainly sustainability is much broader than that. It also includes uh, the whole CSI uh, and the people elements. Before we dive into a bit about what
0: sustainability is, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what this sustainability conference is and what the association does.
1: So the sustainability summit is a, a very active network uh, in sustainability. It's the largest African uh, sustainability uh, network. Our focus is really around four uh, specific areas this year, agriculture and agricultural technology. We're focusing on digital technology uh, we have a keen focus on the circular economy. What are we talking about when we say circular economy? What is this? So circular is closed loop. So it's really thinking, um, instead of thinking cradle to grave, which means that you're starting something new and you are burying something when yeah, you're done with it or you are wasting right. it, so that's like a, f- a straight, straight line of a value chain, mm-hmm. you're making it circular, which means that your traditional waste or final output of a value chain, mm-hmm. like a cell phone, instead of wasting it, You can actually use it as an input into a new process. So that's that's circular economy thinking. From uh, so, as I understand that,
0: so all your economic activities, all the activities, even at the home, you think about how can I buy something, use it, take what's left over, and reuse it. Is that right? That is correct. And that principle working in agriculture, in in industry, and in home. Is that yes? That sounds interesting. It sounds simple until you think about it. So, what are the elements of this circular economy sort of activity?
1: Sure, I, I did say that circular economy thinking is new, and to a degree it is if you 're coming out of the industrial revolution, uh, but certainly, I would say older generations, if you look at your grandparents, things weren 't available in abundance, so we 're not drinking water out of plastic bottles on a daily basis they were getting water in a responsible way and and certainly there wasn't a lot of waste in the process of just drinking water i think there was always a culture of of using things and keeping on Mm. using things and if it breaks you actually fix it you know and and i think things have become too easy for us you know in terms of acquiring new things and then wasting things without being responsible for for the outcome of that and that's really what the circular economy drive globally is trying to address.
0: It's a much more sort of integrated way of thinking, but that must cost money. We make profit in our organizations. Why would we be attracted to work in this circular economy way?
1: I think initially when you start thinking about the circular economy, it feels like it will be more expensive. And it might be in the short term to actually produce in a a clean production way using, let's say, renewable energy, using less water and and design your processes to to eliminate waste. Mm. But in the medium to longer term, it's certainly the right way to go. So if you're putting up a new facility, you know, it's really just a new design brief that you're giving the engineering team uh, to use best practice, which is really Mm. all about better business. Uh, If you're an existing business, you're quite right in saying, how do you frame the business case to be able to transition your business from a current operation to something that is better? Why would
0: I want to, Ralph. I mean, I'm on quarterly reviews. I'm a listed company. The stock market's looking at my profits. It's all short-term cyclicality. So why would I be encouraged to do that? I think that the market… Directorial incentives are based on my short-term profits. I'm going to lose money as a director. Sure. What's, what's, the, the, why The, mar-
1: I? the market, uh, your demand is moving towards understanding uh, where products come from. Yeah. So wanting to see full transparency, not just in terms of what is the product cost or what is the quality of the product, but also wanting to understand the full environmental and social footprint are of that Are you sure product. about that? Absolutely. How would you
0: provide evidence and let us know that that is really what people want to do, rather than is some sort of wish fulfillment of a society? sustainability guru
1: sure i think that there are different markets and we Mm -hmm. need to segment markets Uh, i think markets that are certainly at a survival level would be uh, procuring bread without thinking too much about what's the content in the bread and that 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 is the current reality that we're dealing with Mm -hmm. but i would say the majority of uh, let's say parents and people would want to know what is the quality of what they are buying whether they're buying a hamburger whether they're buying something from woo If more information is available about the product, you can make a better decision. So what's really happening is that the leading retailers are making more information available because they certainly need to uh, supply to the demand. And some of the demand is more educated and more demanding. in saying, Mm -hmm. I I want to know exactly whether this water uh, that's been bottled, is it South African firstly? Has it been uh, bottled close to where we are consuming it? I would like to understand the full footprint of this bottle. You know, how many people have been employed producing this bottle? Mm. Where is this going to go when I've used the water? Are we recycling it? Is it a closed loop process or is it something that's not responsible to to engage in?
0: I don't want to play the devil's advocate because it's kind of cheap. And anyway, there's a great quote. What you do with devil's advocates, you just tell them go to hell. But <laughs> but it's true though, isn't it, that the argument for sustainability is powerful but not short term. It's hard to find the commercial and financial argument to support it. In the current way we think about finance and economies, people don't buy into sustainability. Oh. It's something for the future, mm. it's something that's hard to grapple with, it's, it's down the line and it's very hard for people to buy into green arguments because mm. it's not immediate. Yeah, That's true. And it's one of the critical issues for the green movement mm. and I want to challenge it because I, I mm. don't think these things aren't working very well, mm. if I'm so, really so,
1: honest. So, can I take yeah. a good example, yeah. the, the, the Global Sustainable Development Goals that's been set by global nations for 2030. Mm-hmm is pointing us in the right direction, but to your point, it's too far out, which means we struggle to get traction. Mm. I think the focus of climate change being one of those sustainable development goals saying, how do we reduce the amount of emissions that we're contributing, because certainly it is contributing to global warming, et cetera. And the global collaboration around COP have got people more aware around sustainability as a notion, and it's got people more aware about the fact that you need to change things today to be able to influence the future. Again, building on that as a as a, as a foundation, the, the critical thing is then to move the timeline back. If you want to alleviate poverty in its entirety by 2030, that's your measurement. Mm-hmm. And remember, you can measure where you are at the moment globally. You can measure whether you're moving the needle or not. And we can be frank with each other. In South Africa, we're not moving that needle fast enough. So, in the current reality, when you leave your house, you know there are guys recycling from dustbins there are guys feeding themselves and their families from dustbins so they, there's really a, a big focus in Africa around poverty and, and getting people economically active and, and we are not succeeding that so you, you can call it sustainability or you can call it uh, a, a, another focus perhaps but essentially uh, we are dealing with real issues that needs to get focus so how do we actually change things the only way for me to change things is to really have collaboration around something that you understand. So if we're practical, government understands that more people need to become economically active. Government is creating an economic um, environment and policy around entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And certainly through enterprise and supply development are driving behavior of linking entrepreneurs and their solutions and value to the formal economy. And that drive is starting to really deliver uh, value. But at the same time, you've got academia, and, and research and new models that needs to be infused, new technology that needs to be infused. So you really and need you to bring have businesses. The, you have businesses. So you need to, bring to drive these, all of this, right? You need to bring these right. different pieces of the puzzle together. Now, to I understand to that. Solve but but why I'm questioning
0: terms. this so much It's not that I'm, I'm against this in any way whatsoever. I'm totally for it. But I think that the discussion and the dialogue around it is, remains abstract and unconnected it remains, sure, it works at a policy level, but you're gonna need businesses and business people to resonate with this. Correct. And I think the language is not reaching them. Okay. And if if business is the driver for this, how are you gonna convince people who are gonna make this work that this is worth doing, other with some emotional arguments where you start talking about their future, their legacy, and their children, but they've still got businesses to run which are working to different criteria. There's a transformation to be made. And my challenge to all this is how do you get to that core bit so it's not more rhetoric, more white papers, more policy in the air?
1: Mm. It's not easy to do it, but there are many people working on it. So I mm. think a good example of that is Judge Mervyn King mm-hmm. that has firstly started the awareness around triple bottom line and certainly built it into corporate reporting. Mm-hmm. And again, yes, that's from a compliance perspective, but the compliance is a building block into something that is better, something that is more transparent. And the minute you start having visibility, either about something that you do well or something that you don't do well, it means that you can then start applying new thinking, innovation, new designs, and you can start seeing which of the things that are interrelated. Mm-hmm. So essentially when uh, we work with corporate leaders, corporate leaders are seeing the value of starting to move beyond compliance, not just reporting on what they're doing around energy, water, and waste, but really saying, we're using too much energy. It's costing us a lot of money. And at the same time, we are um, polluting the and A great example
0: of that, McDonald's. Sure. You might notice soon that the little arches are missing from the McDonald's napkins. By taking the arches off, that meant that the napkins could be printed thinner. That meant that they could get a whole bunch more napkins in each pallet, which meant they could put more pallets into a lorry for their transport. That's given an economic return for them.
1: John, you're mentioning a great uh, case study of, of McDonald's reducing the environmental footprint and, and being more efficient you know, in terms of the napkins that they, they're mm. using for their clients. Understanding their value chain, you know, certain things are locally produced and then distributed nationally and certain things are imported. So I think it's critical for any organization to look at, are we doing near sourcing around things that could actually be produced locally? so that you don't need to have a lot of logistics and a lot of transportation and at the same time that you're truly making a positive contribution to the community where you have a restaurant as an example so instead of having napkins distributed nationally you might have a new piece of technology let's say a 3d printer that uses raw material you've got one or two people that are producing the napkins that are needed mm-hmm. for the ten restaurants in this region right. there are great shifts taking place and again technology and the thinking of empowering and buying local is actually bringing about right. so, those So changes.
0: thank you. I mean, I've been probing at some of the assumptions behind this because I tend to feel that there's this rhetoric about green energy, sustainability, and a fairly right-on movement about it, which is correct, obviously, by any standards. But it's not having the impact it should do, partly because the language and the cases and the examples and the projects are not resonating sufficiently with the people and the economic model is not sufficiently articulated. So let's move on to some of the projects and some of the things, what are the trends that are happening? What's going on in this area that people should know about?
1: We have uh, spoken a lot about the sustainability trend, which is certainly trending. And we had the discussion earlier about that we understand sustainability. It does mean different things to different people, and that's good, because at least there's a consciousness about the fact that we need to um, think differently about things. For example, sustainability
0: is one of those suitcase words. You you open a suitcase, mark sustainability, and a hundred different meanings jump out. We talk about sustainable business. It's a business that sustains its economic operation. And yet, not a form of sustainable business is a business that's working to green criteria and triple
1: bottom line. What do you meaning by it? Yes, I think I mean exactly that. So it's it's really understanding both. uh, both. So essentially, uh, for a business to be sustainable, it needs to be economically active, and it needs to provide uh, quality goods or services to their customers Mm -hmm. in in a sustainable and a resilient way, cost effectively as well, but not at the cost of the environment and not at the cost of community that might have a, a livelihood that is linked to your value chain. So it's really again back to triple bottom line and in that way sustainability whether it's for a business or an individual or for an industry value chain or a yeah. government has got the same definition. It's very similar to the innovation discussion. Innovation means different things to different people. right? But essentially innovation is about focusing your time and effort on something that does not necessarily have a known solution or a good solution. It needs new thinking. And it doesn't just need the new thinking. It needs to actually come up with new thinking that can be commercialized or applied for benefit. Then you've actually been innovative and you've been effective at, at, at what you're doing. So innovation, as an example, is maturing now globally to the level where companies and, and countries are promoting innovation standards. So our own SABS design or not mm-hmm. design institute, the SABS uh, institute is busy with a project and we're right. actively involved on it around an innovation standard. And similarly, the Proudly SA team working with the European Union is busy with a sustainable farming standard. So these standards are guiding people understanding around what is innovation, what is sustainability, and then again, how do you apply it for different industry value chains, and how do you apply it for your role in that value chain? The big picture again
0: is we are suffering consequences of our historic actions which are creating problems we don't understand how to deal with. Therefore, innovation and innovative thinking is needed to address those problems with new forms of thinking and delivery models we haven't or solution models we haven't even thought about yet. Absolutely. It's a creative process. At the same time, we don't want to replicate these problems where our environment's been destroyed and we're creating a legacy for our children we just hate that we're doing. So we've got to come to that in a a different way. So the sustainability argument and the sustainability association is trying to get to the heart of that and provide solutions at work.
1: Correct. Is that right? So a a very good example of of where technology is unlocking solutions for for Africa and certainly globally, Mm -hmm. if we come back to the food security element, if you need to produce food in the outside environment where things are dry and we've got limited water, and you've got pesticides, and you've got all kinds of things that you need to deal with as a farmer, and then you're still adding all the elements of logistics and getting it to a market. The hydroponics and aquaponics technology is actually step-changing that, where a local community with a small capital investment can become self-sustaining in terms of their own food production for many years, and then also start producing wider. So I think that's an example of where technology is playing a role at understanding we do not have enough water, we do not necessarily have a lot of land. I mean, you can be producing food in a building, as an example, mm. using vertical farming technology.
0: And vertical farming technology means you build a skyscraper, which is a farm, fundamentally. means
1: yeah. that, essentially. You're quite right. Mm. At the same time, it might mean uh, buildings that are currently standing empty and mm. that are not utilized right. in, in our city centers are getting reconfigured into becoming producers of fresh produce, and the captive market is around those buildings. So you do not need to be logistically providing things at a national level. You can produce at the source where it's actually So stop thinking of city centers
0: as places where the finance institutions sit around, but take the decaying city centers and make them farming and agricultural areas, but in an urban environment. Absolutely. That right. Great so,
1: idea. So the exciting part is that there's a number of these projects already taking place in our country, so what the African Sustainable Development Association with yourselves as partners there are trying to achieve is to take the lessons from these success stories and actually replicate it with the key stakeholders in the industry. Because the key for us around innovation and sustainability is if there are known solutions, let us take these known solutions of things that work and replicate them and give everybody the benefit. If there are not known solutions or if there are things that are not working – let us apply ourselves in terms of innovation and actually come up with something new and then right. pilot it. So what are the um, other trending
0: issues you can think
1: of around this area? Mobile learning I think is a trend mm-hmm. uh, and it's certainly something that we all should be leveraging. If we're saying that we've got a traditional business model as Africans you know, where traditionally our people are, are not highly educated or skilled or the majority of our workforce, we now have a very big young population that needs to be skilled. It needs to be economically active at a a global level, and I believe that mobile learning will make a a big contribution. Mm -hmm. Another good example is the cloud-based technology or the IoT technology where you have the opportunity of collecting information on things that are relevant. So it might be relevant for the government or it might be relevant for business or understanding your demand, but understanding the information, you can actually then start gearing your solutions to offering um, certainly value to And to be uh, far less wasteful, that's the other thing To be much, uh, much less wasteful, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Another one is eco-labeling. So it's really understanding that when you are buying something, you can actually scan a label, so you can have the full traceability of that product across the value chain. And the way to achieve it, yes, is through technology, but certainly also through virtual partnership and virtual uh, collaboration.
0: Just dig into that a little bit. What do you mean by that? Sure.
1: So if there are 10 different companies involved – Mm -hmm. at producing, um, let's say, a meal. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to track back where the raw material was actually produced, how was it transported, how was it then uh, processed, and then how was the meal prepared. So who's been involved? What were the environmental and economic impacts? And and again, has the value been shared? Or was the farmer getting 10% and, and the retailers getting a bigger share? So it's really all about shared value and all about transparency across the value chain. And it allows for a whole lot of efficiencies you know, in terms of planning to the demand and then working together as a value chain to satisfy the demand, whether it's local or, or global.
0: Okay, Aldous, that's really interesting. And I've taken you from one direction to another direction rather on purpose because I would like for us to think about what's lying behind all this. Why aren't people getting on board with it sufficiently? And I don't think it's because of the technology. I think it's partly because of the language we're using and the way that people can resonate with it. So that's my What's Trending is is getting a sense of meaning and and engagement around uh, sustainability. And I think people are getting on board with that. But what's your next what's trending?
1: I think thanks for that. If you're looking at Maslow, for example, if people are struggling mm. with having food security and being safe and being housed and having access to to the basic needs, uh, it's very difficult to get people to think differently and, and to really even register the whole sustainability discussion. And
0: equally, if people are locked into consumerism and paying for school fees and paying off bonds and can't see the relevance in their lives of doing this and they want to build their careers and make their lives better, then why should they do this? That's the other side of that. It's a middle-class dilemma as well as the poor dilemma.
1: You're right. It's all about saying what is going to be left for the next generation. Mm. And I think even if you have a a discussion with, um, I would say, the emerging economy that we, we, we are in, People understand People that understand things need to be left yeah. for the next generation, right. and it's actually so starting to, ground, right? to, to build on that. Mm. So at the same time, when things are cold, I'm going to most probably chop down that tree and use it, because I've always used it and there's always been enough trees. So it's difficult explaining that the population growth and certainly the way that we are operating in economic activity is destroying the environment. So the impact that we have is just so dire that we do need to change. Now, again, one can easily look at which are the industries that needs to lead the change. And mm-hmm. it's certainly the resources industry. Right. It's certainly the logistical industry. Mm. It's certainly the manufacturing industry. And I'm glad to say that through policy making and global collaboration and insight and research, there's a general understanding that things need to change, coming back to the circular economy thinking that we shared earlier. Sure. And again, through clean production, through incentives, through grants, through funding, through technology innovation, it's actually cost effective and competitive to actually make those changes in your value chain. But again, coming back to the consumer, I think if you're doing it at a cost to the consumer, the consumer would not necessarily adopt it. Right. It's a very small percentage of the consumer that would be paying extra to have visibility across the, uh, the supply chain, to know that they're making a net positive contribution by buying the product. But at the same time, if uh, you're comparing retailers against each other, if one retailer is starting to do it as a competitive advantage, offering additional information at the same cost versus other retailers, you know, your competition would actually just become the, the average. Mm. So if that average bar around available information uh, becomes higher through the availability of technology enablement, More people will become interested in it and will be utilizing it and making a decision saying, I'm not going to buy this bottle of wine. It's been imported. I'd rather support a local farm that I know is producing wine in a sustainable way.
0: So that's challenging some of the basics of globalization and international trade, but maybe in a good way. We come to the end of the conversation. I think you talked about one more trend. Up, Yes, absolutely.
1: I think something that's critical is the whole focus around entrepreneurship in the country which we're all sharing. And, again, you you, you wanted to know earlier more about myself and about Blank Mm -hmm. Canvas. We are an entrepreneurial company, Mm -hmm. and we can say that it's not easy to be an entrepreneur in any country Mm -hmm. because, again, there are barriers of entry, um, and, and there's aspects around compliance. And certainly for a business just to start up, you need to be financially sustainable. And then you start moving to saying what is your broader impact around environmental, social, and, and, and your workforce and, and your clients and your suppliers and so on. So essentially the aspect that we believe is trending and it should be trending much more is just this whole notion of saying we need more entrepreneurs. We need entrepreneurs that are there that are successful in their small right to scale. Because sometimes that it's easier to scale an entrepreneurial yeah. organization than to start a new one. Right. So I think the the notion of entrepreneurship needs to get even more focus in our country, and and the the, the focus is really the the change and the thinking in our youth that is needed. So instead can of I just, uh, just cut sure. in there
0: for a second, we talk about entrepreneurship needing to grow, but it it comes at a cost of the large monopolistic oligopolistic organisations we have, the the big companies. They talk. The need for entrepreneurship, but frankly, entrepreneurs will come up and destroy their value chains. It could. So, we're looking at sustainable entrepreneurship, not just entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship as a movement that will continue and a change of thinking of the way we approach economics and large company growth. So, the acceptance of large companies maybe going out of business and new solutions coming in place. Is that right? Okay. It is right um, but I hear a lot of doubt it if
1: if, yeah. if if large corporates um, are, are are continuing without recognizing entrepreneurship and digital disruption, mm. their business models and value chains would potentially be disrupted, and there 's a number of examples out there mm. where that 's taken place and and, and and entrepreneurs that are disrupting Global business sometimes are referred to as unicorns. So it's mm. companies that are less than if a year they, if old, they make enough money. but they are literally just disrupting yeah. um, the world as we know it. And have a huge valuation after. Have a huge valuation right. after that, but that's not the majority of entrepreneurs. I think the majority of entrepreneurs would like to uh, bring the passion of either a solution or a product into a formal market and make a contribution. So many times the barriers of access to the formal markets are just too high for entrepreneurs to enter. But
0: created by some of the larger firms and by the current economic model, you have to admit that.
1: Absolutely, and also created by the consumer. So the consumer wants to know everything about where that tomato comes from before Mm -hmm. the consumer is having the tomato. So Mm -hmm. it's really challenging the whole value chain as it stands today and saying, we are prepared to engage entrepreneurs and understanding what they have got to offer, we're going to then assist them to be able to produce the same quality than larger commercial farmers, for example, and then we're going to give them some technology enablement so that we can still have traceability, so we can still have food safety of what we are procuring from entrepreneurs. At the same time, entrepreneurs um, that are getting developed through enterprise and supply development are then allowing market access they are then getting some capacity to scale, whether it's funding or whether it's technology uh, assistance or even sometimes just coaching. So essentially the entrepreneurs are then um, not dependent on one organization, but they can then start supplying into the the broader market. And And That's essentially what we want. And
0: economic growth, what you're saying is it's giving employment to people currently unemployed, is creating funds for those, creating more employment, therefore the economy grows, therefore we have a sense of not a win-lose situation where the big companies go out of business and and for all their rhetoric may not be encouraging the small companies enough, but there's a sense of tolerance and and sort of symbiosis between them. Correct. Right. And that's what we're looking for. So as we get to the end, and I have to thank you very much for all the points, and this is a massive topic that we've just grappled around the edges of. It strikes me that at the heart of all this is this huge dilemma between three things. One, the way we see the world as it is now and how deeply those habits are imbued in us. Secondly, the economic models of the large organizations who are looking more for short-term results in the stock market and incentives drive that. And thirdly, what lives in us as human beings, wanting to have a better future for ourselves and our children and a future that is healthy and and beautiful and has nature in it, that, that spares land and shares land. So we are torn between those three dilemmas, struggling to find ways. So this is not going to be an easy path, is it?
1: It isn't an easy path, but it's a very exciting path. And and the secret lies for us in in three things. Mm. The first one is raising the awareness and the consciousness where it's needed. And that means with everybody, but doing it in such a way, to your point, that people can understand the message of sustainability And the relevance and Mm. what is in it for them and what do they need to do. So that's the first one. The second one is framing value or business cases for people to to change. And then certainly the third one is working together at implementing the change. Because if we're not implementing the change and if we keep grappling with other terminology or grappling and talking past each other but not implementing even the value that we're seeing, Mm -hmm. we're not achieving the objective. And and the objective, to your point, is is to be able to leave a better legacy than what we inherited. And again, many times people just look at the negative legacy that we inherited. And that also needs to be said. There's a lot of technology innovation, there's a lot of infrastructure that's been built by um, historic generations. You know, the fact that we can go into space was a vision by JFK at some point, but it's been achieved. Technology innovation has taken place, it's been funded good leaders have driven the uh, the project and that's exactly what we need to be able to take sustainability and i think you put
0: your finger on a critical point there and the point is that we've got to frame the way we think of this differently i think people are tired of being terrified and depressed into action action that they can't get their heads around what they should do but the space race was a vision and sustainable futures and a decent world is a vision too so let's build a positive view of sustainability. Let's build an energy and an optimism around it rather than a deep pessimism what's going, to, what's going to happen if we don't get it right because this is a challenge for our children. But surely it's the biggest challenge that you and I can face as people in the world today who are bringing our families. So this is something we've got to take on board. So Rael Donnell, thank you so much. This is the beginning of a much longer conversation, I feel. John, thank you very much, and I look forward to taking this journey forward with yourselves. So from Henley Business Radio, I'm me, John Foster-Pedley, interviewing Ral Dunell, who's the head of the African Sustainability Association and the Sustainability Conference and Blank Canvas, talking about sustainability. Thank you very much and follow us on Hashtag What's Trending. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Follow, comment and message Henley Business School and Henley Business Radio on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn.